Thank you. Give this choir a big God bless you. Let them know you appreciate their, their investment. Amen. Thinking of Mother's Day, let me tell you a story about a father. That was supposed to have been funny. Thinking of Mother's Day, let me tell you a story about a father. Let me try that again. Thinking of Mother's Day, let me tell you a story about a father. <laughs> Y'all are nice. Father raised his son so well. He was a great athlete. His father was an athlete, and he raised his son. He was very athletically inclined, and his son just did phenomenal in, in high school and won all the high school awards and was, uh, caught the attention of, of uh, numerous you know, uh, high-end schools who were all bidding for his uh, wonderful uh, 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 athletic skills to bless their school with. And so, you know, his dad was so proud he had poured his life into him. Now he was going to school and dad traveled everywhere with him to every game. And he was so proud of his son. And then lo and behold, as he was finishing up college, the professionals started um, uh, marketing him as a great football player and they were all vying for him. And and in the, he was drafted the first round and became, you know, a professional football player. His dad was so proud of him. His heart beamed with pride, and he was just so excited. Finally, my son has arrived. And so on the first game of the first season of his professional career, all the announcers were so thrilled to talk about this uh, amazing athlete. And, and even as the, 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 the game began, the crowd panned close, or pardon me, the camera panned up close to him and he looked into the, into the camera with great pride and he waved into the camera and he said, hi mom. How many of you know moms always come first? It's really true. Uh, I'll never tell that story again. It went kind of, kind of bad. Amen. Well, it's good to be here today. God bless each and every one of you. I want you to turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20. And then let's try 2 Chronicles 16. Uh, no, let's do this. Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 8. Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 8. We're continuing today to talk about uh, American idols uh, dethroning the modern day idols of our time. Uh, and we have one more Sunday to complete this. But I promise you that uh, uh, this message in this series, if you'll just continue to appropriate it into your life and apply it into your life. How many of you know, last Sunday we talked a little bit about what? Follow through. Thank you. You didn't remember the point till I did this, did you? Okay, following through with what God speaks to us. And so today, I want to encourage you to get a hold of the Word of God and follow through with what you hear today. Our keynote uh, passage has been Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, the first few verses. It says this, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. He goes on to say, you shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down or worship them nor serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a what kind of God? I'm a jealous God. How many of you guys are jealous over your family? 
Amen. How many of you guys are jealous over your wives? That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. God is jealous over us. And uh, the first two of the Ten Commandments have to do with idolatry. And I know what most everybody says when you start talking about idolatry. You say, well, now, Pastor, come on. Uh, you know, you got you to gotta give us a break because we're not bowing down to, to uh, idols or images or graven images today. No, that, you're, you're absolutely right. Our, our idols have become much more sophisticated in the these days that we live. Here's what you need to understand about modern day idolatry. It's not about statues or molten images or graven images, is it? It really isn't. That's not the, the modern day idols of our time. And here's what you and I need to embrace and understand. And I've shared this with you for the past uh, now five Sundays. An idol is anything that takes the place of God on the throne room of your heart. Let's say that together. Could you with me? If we don't get anything else, let's get this. An idol, everybody out loud, an idol is anything that takes the place of God on the throne room of your heart. And how many of you know it could even be a good thing? You see, God gives us all good things to enjoy, but if we take those gifts and they become more important to us than God, they become idols in our life. In fact, uh, this past Wednesday night, you know, our series, God's at War, our small group series has been going great. Uh, it dealt with some specific idols. And last Wednesday, it had to do uh, with the God of money and possessions. How many of you know our money and our possessions can become gods in our life? And God knew that. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 and 19, he said this. Uh, he said, but, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives you the power to get wealth. Everyone stop for just a moment. Now, understand something. God gives us the, the blessings in our life. But when the blessings become more important than the benefactor of the blessings, we got issues in our life. In fact, I remember what Kyle Adelman said. He said, idolatry is not an issue. It is the issue of modern day times. And so that's why we share this series with you. And even from the beginning here in Deuteronomy 8, he said, you shall remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto thy fathers as it is this day. And it shall be if thou do not... thou." It, it shall be if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. Now, there we go. Even in Deuteronomy, we find that God is warning that if the possessions become more important uh, than the one who gave us the possessions and, and they begin to take the place of God on the throne room of our heart, we've got some serious idolatry issues in our life. And so the warning of God and the command of God is upon us. Even Jesus said this, and this just melts it all down and makes it very clear about our hearts. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, no man can serve two masters. Everyone say that. No man. Everybody say no woman can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. In other words, it's impossibility for two things to be in control of your life and be on the throne room of your heart. That's why God said, you shall have no other gods before me. He said, I'm the only one. And he said, it's an impossibility. And then he, he melts it down and he says, for you cannot serve God and mammon or money. It's an impossibility. 
Either God's in charge or something else is in charge. Either we're worshiping him or we're worshiping something else. And so this morning, I'm not going to per se talk about the God of money or the God of possessions. I share that with you to kind of build a case for the fact that we need to be wholehearted towards him. This morning, I want to talk to you about becoming wholehearted for him. For your whole heart to be completely given over to the control and the influence of the Lord of glory. The sad thing is most people divvy up their heart like a pie. Like the pie principle. Now, the pie principle is not a problem uh, when you're dealing with time and management and all those things. There's only a certain amount of time you can give to this or give to that. Uh, and, but let me tell you something. You can't give to God just a piece of your heart. You can't just give him a little place in your heart and expect him to be satisfied with that. Because how many of you know the whole pie belongs to God? He deserves the whole pie. And sadly, many of us use the pie principle and we think, oh, it's Sunday. Oh, that's a part of the pie. I got to give a part of my life to God today. And we use the pie principle. You need to understand something about your heart. You can't divvy up like a pie and just give God a part. He deserves the whole part. He wants control. He wants us to all be wholehearted towards him. In fact, the Bible says this about the, the Lord. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, it says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. What's he doing? He's looking for somebody. He, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Did you see that? Did you hear that? God's looking for someone whose heart is perfect. Now, we're not talking about perfection here. That word perfect means to be complete or whole. In other words, God's looking for someone who's wholeheartedly searching after him. And that should be you and I today. In other words, he's not looking for someone who's let the pie principle operate in their hearts. He's looking for someone who said, hey, God, you can have the whole pie. That's why Exodus chapter 20 verse 3 said, he said, you shall have no other gods before me. That word before me means in my presence. It's an impossibility. You can't serve God in some other thing in your life. He deserves the whole pie. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, God deserves all of our hearts. And so we've got to learn to become wholehearted. Now, I love what it says about in Second Chronicles. It says he's looking for someone so that he can uh, uh, show himself mighty in. He said, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards him. He wants to show up in your life with great strength and authority and show himself in great power. But we, we've got to be at the place where our hearts are totally given over to him, where we are wholehearted. Everyone say wholehearted. So this morning, I want to give you three simple words to help you on your journey towards becoming wholeheartedly uh, committed to and yielded to the Lord of glory in your heart and in your life. The first word is this, it's, it, it's this, and, and I want to just share it with you. Becoming wholehearted, number one, just simply respond to him. Now, last week, we talked about replacement therapy, if you will. 
In other words, you don't, in fact, Kyle Eidelman said, you don't replace, you don't remove uh, false gods from your heart. You just simply replace them with the real thing, with the genuine. And let me just say this about God in your life. Listen, he's been reaching out to us from day one with his love and compassion and care for us. Amen. For it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, understand something about becoming wholehearted. You just got to respond to his love and respond to his desire to fellowship with you. What does Revelation 3.20 say? It says, Jesus said this. And by the way, he's talking to the church here. He's not talking to lost people. We used to use this as an as a invitation, you know, uh, to lost people. God's knocking on the door of your heart. Well, the context, he's talking to the church. And he said, behold, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door... I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. In other words, God has been reaching out to us. In fact, for each of us here today, God is knocking on the door of our hearts. God wants to fellowship with us. The Lord of glory wants to come into your life and into your heart in a whole new way and not just, uh, you know, stand up on the throne room of, of, of your heart and stick out his chest and say, I'm in charge here. That's not the heart of God. God wants to show up and fellowship with you. He loves you. Somebody say amen. He's been reaching out to us. And you say, man, I, I know I need to love God. You know, the easiest way to fall in love is just respond to somebody else's love for you. In fact, did you know what John said in first John chapter four? I believe it is. He said this about responding to the love of God. He said, hey, we love God because he first loved us. He's been loving us. He's been reaching out to you. Sabrina, aren't you glad he never stopped reaching out to you? He never stopped loving on you. How many of you appreciate that? How many of you, even in your darkest hour, uh, Kathy, come on now. How many of you appreciate he never stopped reaching out and loving you? He's always cared for you. He never stopped. And if you want to become wholehearted for him, just begin to respond to what he's been reaching out to you. In the first place, for many, for all your life, really. Let me give you three thoughts. We need to begin to respond to his compassion with communion. He's been compassionately reaching out to you, loving you. And you just need to reach, just respond to it. Some people think God's got his, you know, he's, listen, God's never poofed us. You know what we do? We poof him. We become, we got the pie principle. Oh, it's not Sunday. God, I got other things to do. But listen, if you want to become wholehearted, just begin to respond to his love and just begin to fell and, and reach back to him and, and love on him. We love him because he first loved us. God so loved the world that he gave. And so we respond to his compassion and outreach by just reaching back to him and just saying, Lord, thank you for loving me. Lord, thank you for reaching out to me. Thank you for never forgetting about me. Thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for me. Lord, I thank you. I'm responding to your love today. And I just want to learn to love you like you've already been loving me for all these years. And I love you, Lord. You want to become wholehearted, just respond to him. Respond to his com- com- compassion with, with a communion. 
and a fellowship. That's what communion means. We're not talking about the Lord's Supper. We're talking about fellowshipping with Him. And listen, fellowshipping with Him is much easier than you and I would think. You think you got to just, you got to be all perfect. You know, you can wake up in the morning and just say, good morning, Lord. You respond to His love. Respond to his compassion with communion. But another thing you and I need to respond to, we need to respond to his conviction with confession. You see, he loves us enough to not leave us the same. Aren't you glad about that? God loves you enough not to leave you the same. And so when we began to fellowship with him, what does he begin to do? He begins to convict us of areas in our life, maybe areas of our heart that are not totally committed to the Lordship of Christ. And the conviction of God comes upon us. Listen, don't shun the conviction of God. Embrace the conviction of God. In fact, John said this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. He said, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just. You see, when we confess our sin, it's not because God doesn't already know. It's because he wants us, in fact, the word confess means to agree with God about our sin. And our sin separates us from God. And so the conviction of God comes. Why does God convict us? Because he loves us. And he wants to fellowship with us. And he knows that sin separates. And so he begins the process of cleaning us up. Aren't you glad you don't have to clean the fish before you catch it? You don't have to clean up before you come up. You just come to him and he'll start cleaning you up. He'll start convicting you. And then when you realize, oh, there's some areas in my life, you just start confessing them to God. Lord, I'm a sinner here. I messed up here. And you know what that does? That draws you closer to him. He's faithful and just. Everyone say faithful and just. I think of Psalm 51 where David got busted. He messed up bad. He, he was a man after God's own heart, but he got cross-haired with Bathsheba and he committed some serious sin, not only adultery, but basically murder of her husband. And he was under the gun and the conviction of God came upon him. Read Psalm 51. He said, create in me, O Lord, a clean heart. And renew a steadfast and a right spirit within me. He knew he was separated from God. He responded to the conviction of God in his life through confession. And not only between him and God, he wrote it down for all the world to hear. Because he didn't want anything to separate him from his God. How do we build a heart or establish a heart that is wholehearted towards God. We've just got to begin to respond to him. He's knocking at the door of our heart. He loves us. He's convicting us. And number three, respond to his correction with correction. Everyone say correction. Well, Hebrews chapter 12 talks about the Lord loves us enough to, uh, uh, I think King James calls it uh, the, the, not the convict, not the correction, but the, what is it? He corrects us. I forget the King James word. He loves those. He chastens. Oh, that's a King James. There it is. He chastens those whom he loves. That word chasten doesn't mean he beats the tar out of you. Most of us, when we think of the chastening of the Lord, God, I'm going to bend you over my knee and wear you out. No, that's, that's the correction of God. And, and he loves the, he corrects those whom he, what? loves. Read Hebrews 12. He corrects those whom he loves. So here we are. He's loving us all the while. He's knocking on the door of our hearts. He's convicting of us of our sin. He's coming to correct us and put us on the right track. Why? Because he loves us and he cares about us. And he wants to be able to be established as the Lord in, inside of our hearts and in our lives. We just have to respond to him. 
And don't shun him in our life. Embrace the conviction of God. Embrace the correction of God with correcting the way you live. Yes, sir, I love you. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. So if you want a heart that is wholehearted, you've just got to begin to respond to what he's pouring out on your life and wants to bless you with. Number two, not only respond, but if we want to become wholehearted, we've got to remember. Everyone say remember. Let me ask you if you remember Deuteronomy 8 that I read just a few moments ago. It says this, but you shall remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives you the power to get wealth. In other words, one of the biggest problems the children of Israel had was forgetting from whence the blessings of God came in their life. And God came to them and he said, and he comes to us in Deuteronomy 8, says, you've got you to develop a system of remembering what I've done for you. And listen, if we, are, if we are always forgetting the good things of God in our life, we will always begin to fall back into those, those idolatrous acts of our life because we'll forget what God has done for us. And God says here, you better remember this. He said, if you begin to forget this, and what will happen is you'll begin to serve other gods and begin to go and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. Don't forget what I've done for you. Don't forget who I am in your life. And so that's so very important. We see God, when he's dealing with the children of Israel, one of the biggest issues was forgetfulness. He was always telling them to build a memorial of remembrance in their life, actual uh, altars of remembrance. When they cross the Red Sea, when they cross the River Jordan, build this, get some stones. And when your kids say, Daddy, what's that about? Well, you tell them, hey, that's when God delivered us and brought us over the river and into the promises of God for our life. And he said, don't forget. Everyone say, don't forget. How many of you got a bad memory? Just be honest. Come on. You got a bad memory? You know what I've learned about most of our bad memory? It's not a bad memory. It's a selective memory. Because how many of you have never forgotten what brother so-and-so did wrong to you? You know, I'll forgive you, but I ain't forgetting. We have a selective memory, right? Things that make an impact in our life. Listen, God has made a great impact in our life. And so we've got to build a system of remembrance. If you want to be wholehearted for him, you've got to, build, you've got to begin to build a memorial uh, unto him in your life. Now, I'm going to give you one thought about this. One thing you can do to, to build a, 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 the, the, the memorial of God in your heart where you'll never forget how good he's been to you. And let me just stop and say, how many of you can say God has been good to me? You know what Jesse says. Jesse says, God has been good to Jesse. Well, God has been good to all of us. He's blessed us. He's given us the power to get wealth and to walk in the provision and the blessing of God in our life. One thought about building memorial in your life. Always be thankful. In fact, if you read Romans 1, you'll, you, you'll discover that an ungrateful heart is the beginning of the downfall of humanity. We, we become immoral and godless in our life. And we serve the creature rather than the creator. Read Romans 12. I'm not lying to you this morning. I'm telling you, when you stop thanking God for what he's done for you, that what begins to happen is idol worship begins to set up residence in your heart. And you start worshiping the creature and not the creator. Or the blessing and not the benefactor. We've got to build a life that is forever grateful and thankful for all the good things that God has done for you. Begin to make a habit of life. Wake up in the morning and just say, thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for me. 
and then began to rehearse all the things he's done for you. Let me just ask you, how many of you, God's done at least one dynamic thing in your life? Oh, you got a good place to start. How many of you can say, I can't number the, I can't put to number the things he, oh man, we, we just got to under, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who healed my diseases and forgave my iniquities. Come on now. We've got something to be thankful for. And if you want to build a heart that is wholehearted towards him, you've got to remember what he's done for you. And not only what he's done, but what he's doing right now. God's up to something in your life. And my Bible tells me he only does wondrous things. Amen. Whew. If you're going to establish a heart that is wholehearted towards him where he can come and he'll find you out and he'll begin to show him his great strength in your life, you've got to respond to his outreach in your life and you've got to remember what he's done in your life. Amen. Number three. And it's the word remain. Oh, let me, that's a good thing. I forgot these two quick points. This is a great thing to do. How many of you can remember when you got saved? You got to visualize it. Man. How many of you remember when God blessed you in some dynamic way? Amen. I visualize it. I have a vision. Go back. My wife's got a great memory. She can remember things and visualize things. I'm learning to be a little better at that. And once you get a good picture of it in your mind of how God touched you and changed your life, then you just verbalize it. This is pretty simple. I'm visualizing it. Now I'm going to verbalize it. Lord, thank you that you touched my life, that you changed me. Hey, if you want to go way back, go back to the cross and visualize it. Just see how he died for you. And he paid a great price for each of us. And then began to verbalize it. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me on the cross. For paying for my sin with your own blood. Thank you, Jesus. Verbalize it. The Bible talks about the fruit of our lips giving praise to his name. Amen. So you got to remember what he's done for you. And then the third word is remain. Everyone say remain. You want to become wholehearted, you got to remain. It means to stay in a fixed place or position. You heard Josh at the beginning of the service. He quoted a scripture. It's David. How many of you know David was a man after God's own heart? He was seeking after the heart of God. He was a heart, even though he had problems, he made mistakes. His heart, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. And he said in Psalm 57, 7, which by the way is after 51, where he repented of his terrible atrocity and his sin. He said, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. He got his heart fixed in the right place. Established, settled. In a place where he, he had committed himself that he was never going to yield his, he was never going to yield to the things that drew his heart away from the Lord of glory ever again. My heart is fixed. Everyone say, my heart is fixed. One of the biggest issues in life is people's hearts aren't fixed. Why is there so much divorce in the world? Because of mean people? No, it's because their hearts are not fixed. If you get your heart fixed, guess what? You'll get fixed. 
And if your heart's not fixed, you'll never be fixed. <laughs> Amen. How many of you getting that? He said, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. He also said in Psalm 112, a good man, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. You know, when most people trust the Lord, when everything's okay. Most people have fair weather faith. Let's get quiet in here, Manny Joe. You know, I've been here long enough to know, I've been around life long enough to know that faith is not for fair weather. It's for the storms of life. It's for the 9-11s of life. It's when the storms begin to rage in your life and the question marks of life begin to overwhelm you and the 9-11s of life begin to come upon you. You've got to fix your faith upon him and trust him and say, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. I'm not going to let this thing uh, move me. I trust in him. My faith and my focus is fixed upon him. Amen. What happened to Peter? When he got his eyes off Jesus, he was walking on the water and he looked at the waves. He looked at the trauma. He looked at the, the thing that he should have been afraid of. And when he got his eyes off Jesus, he been fixed upon his problem. He began to sink. You see, most of us got our eyes fixed on the wrong thing. I got a little rise out of you. I'm going to try that again. I'm going to say it. <laughs> most of us got our eyes fixed on all the wrong thing. And as a result, our hearts are all polluted and problematic. And the strength of God is not made manifest because our hearts are not perfect toward him got to come to a place where we remain. I want to give you two words. I'm just going to hit one of them and maybe give you a little more. And in fact, the first one is this. If you want your heart to be fixed and to remain, number one, you've got to learn to guard your heart. Now, let me say this. Next Sunday, I'm going to elaborate right here. It'll be the last Sunday in this series. And I'm going to give you some practical things you can do to set up a guard around your heart. Well, the Bible says, in fact, 1 John 5, 21, I think it's the last verse of 1 John. It says this, little children, keep yourself or guard yourself from idols. In other words, we've got a responsibility to guard our hearts from, from the idols that want to set up residence in our life. Proverbs 4, 24 says, guard your heart, keep your heart with all diligence. Everyone say diligence. You see, that's the problem with most people. They're not diligent about watching over the doorway of their heart. You know, there's a lot of inroads to your heart. The eye gate, the ear gate. You ever got offended by what somebody said? You heard them say something about somebody else and you, you, you took up their offense. You want to go punch the guy out in their behalf. How'd that happen? It got into your heart. How did it get there? Because you listened to something. And without knowing anything, you got all offended in their behalf because you let an offense rise up in your heart and it separated you not only from God, but from that person. And we've got to learn to guard our hearts. He said, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. So if you want to remain and stay fixed and focused on him. You got to learn to set up a guard over your heart. We're going to talk about that next Sunday. And then number two, let me throw this out. If you want to remain, stay fixed and focused on him and be able to say with David, my heart is fixed. You've got to grow your heart. Your heart's got to grow. In fact, 
I love this illustration, and I can't remember the exact context, but Ty, our first grandson, a number of maybe even a year ago when he was learning to express himself. And now one of our biggest expressions to each other, he and I, I say, I love you so much. And he says, I love you the mostest. And I say, no, I love you more. He said, I love you more. We can't out-love each other. We, do, we try. But a number of months ago, uh, somebody was, I can't even remember the context, he, somebody was expressing their love to him. And he said this, his little four-year-old or maybe even three, it's been a quiet. He said, my heart just got bigger. He felt something on the inside. My, my heart got bigger. And so now Ty and I, I'm getting all teary-eyed thinking about it. You know, when he tells me he loves me, I say, Ty, my heart got bigger. You're making my heart bigger. And if you know, our heart can get bigger in a good sort of way. We grow our hearts. Our hearts get bigger. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. Let me give you three words. Sing, show, uh, pardon me, seek, show, and sing. David said this. He's a man after God's own heart. He said, Psalm 119, verse 10. With my whole heart I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. You see, with his whole heart, he was seeking after God. Now, what did we read back up in 2 Chronicles 16, 9? God's seeking after those whose hearts are perfect towards him. And if God's seeking after us uh, and searching for someone whose heart is complete and wholehearted towards him, how many of you think if we want to grow our heart and get big, our hearts get bigger towards God, we've got to seek after him with all our hearts. In fact, uh, the Bible says, if you seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. Some people are just casual seekers. Part-time seekers. They're not wholehearted seekers. If you want your heart to grow strong and grow bigger towards God, you've got to seek after Him. And then number two, the, the word show. David said this, a man after God's own heart. Psalms 9 verse 1. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth, there it is, all thy marvelous works. Not only am I going to seek you and worship you, but I'm going to show forth with the way I live. I'm going to show forth to the whole world what you've done for me and how you've blessed me. I'm not going to keep silent about it. I'm going to let it live through me and let you live through me. And I'm going to walk in the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And people are going to look at me and they're going to see you in me. I'm going to show forth what you have done for me. I'm not just going to keep a silent. I'm not one of those, those uh, silent witnesses. I'm going to tell everybody what God is done for me. I'm going to show forth by how I live. And guess what? Your heart will start getting bigger towards him. And then number three, David, he said, I'm going to sing. And he said this, and we already quoted it. Psalm 138. I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods. I will sing praise to thee. My heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. You got to remain. If you want to be wholehearted, you got to choose. I'm not moving. I'm not. I shall not be. I shall not be moved. I'm going to stay fixed in Him. My heart is fixed. Oh God. I'm going to guard my heart. I'm going to grow my heart. 
by seeking after you with all my heart, by showing forth all that you've done for me, and by singing and declaring your goodness in my life. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout all the earth. He's looking for somebody to show himself strong to. Someone whose heart is perfect or wholehearted toward him. What's God seeing on the inside of you today? Is he seeing a divided heart? Is he seeing a confused heart? A distracted heart? Or is he seeing a heart that is wholeheartedly, perfectly focused towards him? I think if the truth were known, all of us have some areas of our life that we need to surrender to him today. And say, Lord, I'm not just giving you a piece of the pie. In fact, you can have the whole pie. It all belongs to you. And I'm going to remain. I'm going to remember. And today I'm going to respond. When I was a little boy, grew up in the Baptist church. I'll never forget the preacher standing right here. And the congregation singing. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender, and I remember the conviction of God grip my heart and as a little boy I began the journey of surrendering my life to the control and the governance of almighty God let's stand together let's sing it together I surrender all everyone together Kelly help me to respond to him today his love of Jesus Christ today. Today you would want to invite him to be the Lord and the leader of your life. To 
set up residence on the throne room of your heart and become his child and be a part of the family of God. That can happen today. If you know you've never really been his child and you've never really followed him, today you can say, Pastor, if you'll pray with me, I want to give my life to the Lordship of Christ with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you can say, that's me, Pastor, today, I want to pray a prayer of commitment to Christ. I want to invite him to be the Lord and the leader of my life. Set up residence on the throne room of my heart. I want to be his child. If that's you today, wherever you are, lift your hand. Wherever you are and say, that's me, Pastor, today. I want to commit my life to the control of God. Anyone here? I want to let him be the Lord and the leader of my life. Now, number two, if you're here today and you've, you've got the pie principle working in the wrong way in your life, you've divided up your heart and you've given a little bit here, a little bit there, and God a little bit and church a little bit, and you know that the pie principle has not been working for you. Today, you can say, Pastor, I want to give him my whole heart. I don't want to be divided. I want to be wholehearted. And I want to respond to his love today. If that's you, wherever you are, you know you're a child of God, but your heart's been divided. If that's you today, lift your hand wherever you are. I'm going to pray for you wherever you're at. I see hands going up. Lord, today we thank you. And we respond to you today by lifting our hands and by lifting our hearts to you. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you loved us enough to send your own son. We confess our sin to you. We confess the fact that we've been divided in our hearts. We've been distracted in our hearts. We've been diluted and diverted from you. Lord, we pray, God, that you would set us aflame with you again. We reach out to you, Lord, for you've been reaching out to you. We open the door that you've been knocking on, Lord. And we invite you to come in and fellowship with us. For we want to fellowship with you. And Lord, we're grateful for all you've done in our life. And Lord, let it be that our hearts are fixed upon you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Everyone say, my heart is fixed. Amen. You know what? Today, if you need prayer for any reason, as we close out this service, our prayer team is going to come and scatter across the front of this sanctuary. Y'all come on, folks. Just scatter out. If you need prayer for any reason and you missed prayer a little bit ago, you can come take these prayer team by the hand. They're ready to pray for you. Also, if you're searching for a church home, listen carefully. You can't just wander from here to there. One of the biggest flawed methodology in the church today is easy come easy go here there and everywhere listen carefully we need to get our roots deep not only in him but in his family in fact if you're if you're if you're just kind of wandering through life without a real connection and commitment to a local church you need to come and take one of these by the hand and say, you know what, I'm tired of wandering. I want to plug in and get involved in a local church. They'll get, give you some important information. Uh, if you raised your hand a few moments ago and prayed with us, ask Christ in your heart, come tell one of these prayer team. Tell them, I invited Jesus into my heart. They'll give you some great help. They'll give you some tools to keep you moving forward. And when we dismiss in just a moment, if you need prayer or if you want to join the church or if you ask God to come into your life, don't go that way. Everybody say, don't go that way. You just come this way. It's going to be the most uh, unthreatening, 
you know, 10 steps you've ever made, okay? And so you come this way. These prayer team will reach out to you, take you by the hand, and just ask you why, what they can do for you, and you just share your heart. Amen. So everybody love the Lord. Say amen. I'm going to ask uh, uh, Brent, come take one of these baskets, and, and Chris, come take one of these baskets. Uh, that, and if you're, and just kind of step back there, if you're going to see your mother, come on, get a basket, you can go, get a basket and go back there somewhere. If you're going to see your mother, now, if you just want another cookie, I'm going to pray for you. But if you've got a mother you want to go bless, uh, you take a cookie to them and say, Pastor Sam wanted you to have a cookie. Uh, and so you be sure and do that. Amen. Everybody love the Lord. Say amen. amen. Here we go. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for the favor of God upon our life and for those who need you today. And pray the prayer of commitment. Help them to come this way and not that way. Lord, for those who are searching for a church home today, help them to make this their way up here and to connect with their local church. And Father, for anyone who needs prayer for any reason, just to give them grace and liberty to connect with the prayer team today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Happy Mother's Day. God bless each and every one of you today. You are dismissed. Go have a great day, and we'll see you Wednesday night right here at Church on the Rock North. Amen.